to have an entrepreneurial spirit. And so I pray that you would put the words in my mouth that would be a blessing to those who are listening. In Christ's name I pray, amen. You know, when I'm a, I'm a product of the education system, as probably some of you are, came through all my elementary years, high school, college, and never, I mean, entrepreneurial ideas were not in our minds. But it's amazing how um, the agrarian life sort of opens that up and brings that, brings that part into life. I mean, I, I was never in my younger years thinking entrepreneurial thoughts. But once we started farming, it just sort of like flowed out of me personally. I mean, I started a number of add-on businesses to, to help um, on the farm. But I can definitely say it's becoming a passion of mine to try to bring awareness to why it's important for Seventh-day Adventists to be thinking entrepreneurial thoughts. So, it's not coming, but I have my notes here, so I'm going ahead. So the first thing we're gonna do is just look at what is an entrepreneur. And I think we all probably have a good idea, but I just looked it up to clarify. What, what is an entrepreneur? An entrepreneur is one who organizes, manages, and assumes the risks of a business or an enterprise. So obviously farming fits in that, but when we think of entrepreneurs, we usually think of m people who are in the business world, starting businesses, starting industries. But it's anyone who's managing and assuming the risks of a business or an enterprise. So why entrepreneurship? Why is it important? And I'm, I'm speaking especially, what's on my heart especially, is Seventh-day Adventists. Seventh-day Adventist young people. And I'm not disturbed that I don't see more young people uh, as much as I think it needs to be a paradigm shift for parents. Um, so why entrepreneurship? In 1 Thessalonians 4, 10 to 12, Paul gives this counsel, and I love this. We urge you, brethren, that you increase more and more, that you also aspire to lead a quiet life. This is the one we shared the other night to mind your own business and to work with your own hands as we commended it, commended you. So Paul was encouraging those in Thessalonia, and I don't know all the whys and wherefores, but he was just saying, look, work with your hands, mind your own business, and do that work. Paul not only gave the counsel, but he also gave the example. Um, he was truly a self-supporting missionary. He did his tent making, which supplied the needs for him then to go and minister. And I feel like the farm has been that for us. Um, we, it provides our basic needs, and it frees us to do other things. Um, I never wanted to be dependent on donations. Um, that's a different model than Paul commended to us. So, missionary, a self-supporting missionary. A missionary is a person undertaking a mission, and especially a religious mission, very enthusiastic and eager about doing a job or supporting a cause. 
So I think we would all agree that we should all be missionaries. It should be our mission to bring Christ to whatever opportunities are before us. So here's some points. Why we own our own businesses. Why should we own our own business? And that's not where... Anyway, why we should own our own business. One is because we have a much greater opportunity to be a witness and to use our businesses as an evangelistic tool. Um, just going to give some examples of that. I know one business that they, something is messed up about my notes here because I'm going to backtrack, even apart from my notes, okay? There's just a blessing when you own your own business that you can, um, you have freedom that you don't have when you are just an employee. So I want to share some of those freedoms. Um, I know one business where it's a mail order business owned by an Adventist, and they put glow tracks in every package, hundreds of glow tracks going out to all corners of the world. Amazing, you know? And we, of course you never know what those are gonna do. I know of a banker who owns a bank and he has in, his, the, in the bank, in the lobby of the bank, rather than just magazines like we would have um, in any other bank, he has Spiritual literature, the desire of ages, glow tracks, um, signs of the times, magazines. You know, if you work at a bank, you don't have any ability to do that sort of thing. But if you own the bank, pretty much you can do what you want. Um, another example. We were... Um, we were in New Zealand before we came here, and we stopped at a Subway sandwich shop. You know, we we're looking for something familiar, and that was it. So we had a nice breakfast. Nobody was there, and we just had a sandwich, and I engaged the lady who worked there in conversation. And she um, went on to tell me about what a blessing it was to work there and to live in that community. She said she had moved away for many years, but they had been back. And her daughter was just getting ready to do a, a trip abroad, working somehow in tourism. And she had had to raise all this money. And she said, yeah, I never would have thought, but this little community has come and given her help and support. And she said, it's just amazing. And she said, um, th she worked at this subway, and she said um, that the subway was owned by a person from the Church of the Brethren. I don't know exactly what it's called, the Brethren something. And I don't know what you know about them, but if you go online, th there's, not, there's some nice, not so nice things said about them. But she was very quick to say, you know what? People say they're a cult. Well, they're not a cult. They're the nicest people. She said they own several businesses in this town, and 
she said, you know, I'm paid not just a set wage. She said, they pay people what they're worth. She said, they pay us by the labor that we do, not, you know, just the set rate. She just, I just felt like she held these owners up on a pedestal and said, okay, I don't, be, she, she went so far as to say, well, they don't force their religion on us, but they are the nicest people. Praise God. Oh, for it to be Adventist, you know, that Seventh-day Adventist business people were employing community and making an impact in the community where they are serving. Wonderful, um, encouraging things. I want to tell you about a couple of others that I have learned about. At ASI in the U.S. this year, we went, and there was a, a speaker that I was so looking forward to hearing. Um, and guess where he was from? He was from Australia. And his, one of his seminars was called The Infidel Christian. And that really piqued my interest. But um, so I went to his seminar, and I think the one that I, I, I mean, he had a main service as well, a main plenary talk. But um, he's, a, he's an entrepreneur. He was raised by serial entrepreneur parents who had many businesses. And I imagine some of you know him, because actually um, I was talking to John's cousin, and her husband worked for him. And that's the Archer family. Huge impact they are having. They have had for good. But Julian, we sat in his seminar, Help, I've Been Blessed. And I read his book. I finished it on this trip. I finished it before we started the trip, I guess. And I emailed him. And I just told him, what a blessing. You know, I have a very similar view of money and finances. But when you come from the poor side of it, you know, we've never had means. So who are we to talk about what you should do if you have money? But for someone who has been materially blessed to, to talk very openly about how prosperity can kill your spirituality and how our money is to be used as a channel of blessing, I found it a great encouragement. One more example. In Julian's book, he references a man, um, what's his name, Letourneau, R.G. Letourneau, and I'm sure I'm slaughtering that name, but he was very, um, he was an early inventor and industrial man, and he was a part of um, the earth-moving equipment movement. I don't know that he started it, but he was very involved with um, earth-moving, uh, making highways and building dams and designing and manufacturing the tools to do so. Um, he died in the 50s, so we're going way back. He was a multi, multi-millionaire, probably reached to the billions, and in his day it was just astounding. But guess what? God owned his business, and he gave away 90% of the profits from his business, 90%. So he did an incredible amount of ministry, and um, I, we got his book, and we, we read it, and amazing, 
an amazing witness for the Lord. So when you own your business, you can truly take God on as your partner. You can use your means however you want. I want to read you this, what was said about him. R.G. is perhaps the most inspiring Christian inventor, businessman, and entrepreneur the world has ever seen. A sixth grade dropout, Robert Gilmore, who they called R.G., went on to become the leading earth-moving machinery manufacturer of his day with plants on four continents, more than 300 patents to his name, and major contributions to road construction and heavy equipment that forever changed the world. Most importantly, his contribution to the advancement of the gospel ranks him among the greatest of Christian businessmen of all time. Famous for living on 10% of his income and giving 90% to the spread of the gospel, he exemplifies what a Christian businessman should be. Amazing. So when you own it, you can just use your business as a channel of blessing. So the last little bit before I, I'm very happy to see a couple of young people here that I know are going to be interviewed, but I just want to touch on how I think, these are just my thoughts, I hope the Lord has guided them in how to raise entrepreneurial evangelists, because there's no point in being an entrepreneur only. We want them to be evangelistic entrepreneurs. So the first thing that I would say is start young. And I had this idea that we would have all of our children start their business life with an investment project. And I'm, I'm great for ideas, and I don't always, they don't always go all the way to completion. I don't know if anybody else can relate. But so I did that with our daughter. She had a little business where she made bookmarks, and I made a little bookmark. Um, she did them with ribbons, okay? So she wove this ribbon, and I attached it to a bookmark. And on the back of the bookmark, I told about investment, because I have a burden for investment project. In the US, we do investment um, projects for the church. And so I wrote about this investment project, saying that all the monies were going to missions, and that it was something that Kirsten was doing. And well, she sold dozens of them was a great beginning, a great launch into business for the Lord, okay? So I don't really remember that we did that so purposefully and intentionally with our boys. Uh, that's probably to their disadvantage, but um, so start them young. Um, so, and the other thing is, okay, businesses to help them achieve their goals. Again, our daughter. She wanted a little dog. Well, at that point in our life, we had all we could do to put food on the table for our children. And so truly, we had no, no money for buying an animal, no money for taking one to the vet, no money for anything um, except the bare bones basics. And so um, we encouraged her to start a little granola business. And again, the farm is a great platform. I made a very simple recipe. She was not reading when she started it. It was one cup of this and one cup of this, and everything was very straight measures. And she would make it, and she, um, 
She sold it on the farm to customers when they would come for, we had a UPIC operation in those years. She sold it to a retreat center right down the road to us, from us, where they, you know, they were promoting it and, and serving it to their clients. Um, it just grew, and it took her about two years to earn the money to purchase her little dog, and she had that dog for almost 13 years. It was amazing, amazing opportunity for her to, uh, to do a little business, to gain something that she wanted, and to learn how to use money. Um, tailor the business to fit the age. So, you know, a, a younger one obviously is going to do something more simple. Um, I also included music lessons. I mean, we didn't have money for music lessons, so I helped my children learn, earn money for music lessons. One of them had cookies for keys. He made cookies and he sold them to our customers and it said right on there, it had the keyboard and it said, you know, this, the money earned from these cookies is going to, you know, provide my music lessons or, you know, so I helped them to do things that would bring in money that would be a mutual blessing. So they paid for half and we paid for half. Um, so tailor it to the ages and the needs, the desires. Encourage them that their businesses are for blessing. Um, teach them to use their businesses to bless others, to give the product away. And this has extended um, when we don't, you know, our daughter grows flowers. When she doesn't sell all her flowers at markets, guess what? It gives her great joy to give away. She'll give flowers to the market manager, or she'll give flowers to another vendor, or she'll bring flowers home and she'll give them to grandma. Um, so product that doesn't sell is never wasted. It's meant to be a blessing to someone. Um, donate products. I'm hoping that Caleb is going to actually get here for um, an interview and he can show you some of the things that he does. And again, we have not only do we sell things, but we give them. And we've tried to model that with the farm. You know, I've had experiences where someone comes by the, the farm booth and, you know, they kind of are disagreeable with our pricing and that it's too much. It doesn't often happen, but occasionally, and especially like with an older person who has a harder time paying the rates that are acceptable today. Um, and. I remember one time in particular, this woman was just a little bit disgruntled about the price of our tomatoes. And, and so she turned her back and she started to walk away and I grabbed three or four tomatoes off the table and I, I ran to them. I said, here, I just would like you to have some of our tomatoes. I said, I know the price is a little bit high for, you know, I just, not, not everybody can afford them, but I, oh, no, 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 let me pay for them. I said, no, it's a gift. It's a gift. Just take it. So we model it and then they catch. The other thing is to encourage generosity. And we, we have tried um, to do that as we have tried to launch our kids in different entrepreneurial things. Tithe is the minimum. Tithe is the minimum. And then offerings are the, the extra, okay? But we tried to say, okay, tithes and offerings are non-negotiable, but we also went back to the Old Testament where God placed before the children of Israel the principles for the second tithe. And so we taught them at a young age. And, and this is where 
probably I didn't do it as thoroughly as I wished I had with my older ones, um, as the younger ones, but they've all caught it. That second tithe. Go back to Patriarchs and Prophets and read about the second tithe. Go back to Deuteronomy. The second tithe was meant for certain purposes, um, to, to make it so that the poor could attend the feasts. And every third year, the tithe was to be kept in the home for purposes of hospitality. Um, so we have used the second tithe in different ways, but often it's used to give to, to organizations, charitable giving. You know, for me personally, if we didn't have that second tithe set aside for charitable giving, I would never feel like I had it to give. But if it's there and it's earmarked for giving, then, wow, you always have something to give and to share. Um, then lastly, of course, after you teach them about tithing and offerings and then possibly second tithe, you, you teach them that God owns it all. So after you pay your second tithe, don't think that, oh, I'm done now, fold my wallet, put it in my pocket, I've done my duty. No. God has the opportunity at any time to say, hey, I need a little bit more. And then we should very freely open up our wallet, whatever, whatever, it all belongs to him. So we instill the, the stewardship ideas. So in summary, and then we want to give the young people a few minutes to to share what they're doing, some of the things that, that young people here are doing. Entrepreneurs, business owners, number one, have more independence. Number two, they can literally have God as their partner. Go to God for decisions, business decisions. Number three, they can use their businesses as a channel of blessing whether that's employing people, whether that's getting literature to the world, whether that's letting the money flow freely to bless others. And number four, can use their businesses to evangelize. So I commend to you the benefits and the evangelistic opportunities that are there for entrepreneurs. Number three, um, they can use their businesses as a channel of blessing. So independence, God can be your partner, you can use your business as a channel of blessing, and you can use it for an evangelistic purpose. All right, Jennifer. Well, I... I guess I've been into doing little businesses and stuff for a long time. I've probably the first one I did was I was about 13 and was saving up to go to a camp and so I did um, put an ad in the local little store for ironing and I got a, oh. yeah, I got this one or two ladies that would bring me ironing one of them every week for over a year would bring me um, ironing so it was yeah very successful business for a 13-year-old. Really that's mm. amazing. Yeah, and that's, yeah, worked really well. Um, did you think of that idea on your own? Mm. How did you come up with that? <laughs> um, my mum had done it before. Um, when I was really little, she had um, people doing that, so I, I guess I'd been exposed to that before, and 
Um, yes. That is such a useful. Did, did you have any um, relationships developed through that? or? Um, yeah, well, we got to know that one lady quite well that would come every week because um, she'd drop it off at our house and we'd see it um, every week. Um, yeah, but not a lot more than that, really. Um, I'm sure, Casey, other people noticed that what you were doing and had an influence of industry. Yeah. Um, yeah. And what, what were the other things that you were interested in doing? Uh, well, I have a honey business. I have bees and um, sell honey. Um, I've been doing that for, I can't remember how long now, do you know, Shen? Uh, well, my dad got bees when I, uh, must be about eight years ago, and then he, um, so we did it together, a sort of family thing, um, kind of a hobby, but, you know, selling honey and stuff as well, and then he was busy with work and all that, and so I kind of took over about, must be about three years ago, I think, um, yeah, and so I've been doing that ever since, and so... Yeah, that, that's been, been really good. Um, Did you name your honey business or your honey? Uh, we just call it Duke's Honey, I think, <laughs> just with our last name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Yeah. And how have you, how has, what kind of relationships have you had by selling honey? Um, well, it's sort of just been word of mouth that um, we get it out. And so um, people from, our friends and stuff as well as people from my dad's work and stuff so actually just a uh, couple of months ago I met one of my faithful customers for the first time um, went to her house to drop it off because usually it would get to another way and um, yeah it, w- it was really good to be able to connect with her and she was a Catholic and we were able to talk and she actually ended up because we do literature evangelism and stuff as well so I was able to um um, she bought some books and stuff as well, and we were able to have a great talk with her, and, yeah, we'll be able to keep in contact with her, and, um, yeah, just start a friendship with her, and, yeah, other people as well. As, um, lots of opportunities, yeah. Um, we've done bees on the farm too, and it, I like honey because it doesn't spoil. There's not as much intensity in trying to get it out because it'll keep, but um, it's also very healthful for people. What part of the business do you enjoy most about the honeys, honeybees? Um, I don't know. I like most of it. Um, <laughs> do you do the whole thing now yourself, taking care of the bees? And yeah, mostly. Um, with extracting and stuff, we sort of do that all together still, but pretty much all the rest of it I do myself. Or, and my little sister, she helps me with packaging and stuff. So, <laughs> yeah. That's great. Thank you for sharing, Casey. Is there any other business you're doing Tell us, tell us what they are. Um, <laughs> Saw you taking off here. <laughs> um, well, we do um, canvassing programs and literature evangelism. And about a year and a half ago, um, with that, we were looking at um, doing a new cookbook, an Australian cookbook, because the one we were selling before was American. And um, yeah, so I took on that project and been able to write a cookbook. And, yeah, God's really blessed that. That's powerful. What did you name the cookbook? And, <laughs> and when was it printed? Um, Wholesome Homemade. And we, we started working on it in May last year, and we f- it was printed in beginning of December. So, yeah. That's a great accomplishment. And where did you get all the recipes from? 
um, just experience and yeah, just practice sort of the stuff that we um, had always done at home, that sort of thing. Um, yeah. That's very special. Thank you. And what else are you doing? Tell us. We're not going to let you get, get away from here without sharing all the things you've been doing. Oh, yes. Actually, just recently, um, I'd forgotten about that one. Um, <laughs> just recently, a few months ago, I've, I've been making, I do a bit of cooking and stuff for the canvassing programs we go on and other groups and stuff, um, catering and that sort of thing. And then I've had lots of people asking me for my granola that I make. Um, so I've just started um, making that in bulk and packaging it up and yeah, selling that. So <laughs> You're a Proverbs 31 woman. <laughs> Wait, um, can you tell us a story about anything, any interactions about your cookbook or your granola? You know, something to help us see how these businesses are changing lives and relationships. Yeah, we um, got a cookbook into the cafe where we live and it's not a vegan cafe at all but they've started making some of the recipes out of your cookbook in their cafe. Mm. Oh, I've got a story about the cookbook as well. <laughs> <laughs> I've been trying to t uh, share healthy food with uh, a friend of mine at home in Lightning Ridge and uh, she loved the chilli beans when we made haystacks with it, with the hummus. And she like she's a teacher aide, so she took it and cooked it at school with all the uh, with the teachers. And so she's just bought six of the books, sharing. So she's obviously sharing five because she'll be keeping one for herself. Yeah. Do you have a story you want to tell too? You know, you're changing people's lives how they eat. That is really really special because we are what we eat and what we think. So that's really incredible. If you think of one, I would like to share yeah. something there. Um, just with entre being entrepreneurial and stuff, um, the I've been homeschooled, and then from I guess we've been taught it, and um, I've really made an effort to focus on learn learning everything that's there's an opportunity to learn. So. If any opportunity comes up, you know, to learn it, that's, I guess, principle that I try and live by, um, that when there's um, an opportunity to learn anything, to, yeah, make the most of every opportunity. And, yeah, I'd just, just like to say, I've just been so blessed. To, um, I've never looked for work, I've never, um, or anything, but people just, you know, ask me to <laughs> do things, and I just, yeah, it's just, yeah, God is good, and then, he blesses like that so that and you can um, yeah be a greater blessing to others. Casey that gives glory to God because you know how we were learning in education that we're going to be learning through eternity. Taking every opportunity is a, an amazing way to help your brain just keep learning new things and blessing others and that gives glory to God and I know people see it that's why they're asking you to help out. Thanks Casey. We have Caleb here. Caleb come on up. Andrew, I want you to introduce yourself and what you're doing and how you decided to do that, how, you, how that began. Um, my name is Caleb Dysinger, and my pop-up gave me a scroll saw about three years ago before he died, 
and I enjoyed woodworking before that. And so I've just been making little Christmas ornaments and phrases and different things like that. And so I actually brought some here to sell so you guys can buy them. And Look at the three wise men. So beautiful, Caleb. Yeah. The manger and the star. Um, what kind of phrases are you, are you making? There's, they're really pretty words that he, that he does, and you can place them on a solid surface. So they're flat on the bottom. What kinds of phrases are you um, like blessed and love and give thanks and welcome friends and welcome. Um, I, I, I bought some for like wedding presents and there I liked joy yeah. and gratitude. Things that, that really help you remember the spirit that you want to have. What other kinds of things do you make besides phrases and ornaments? Um, just little, one of the things I've done, I don't have any here, but for Thanksgiving, it's a big holiday in the U.S., and it's a little turkey, and it's like three different, so like the back is like feathers, and then it's the turkey body, and then the head. And it's all out of wood, right? Yeah, all different kinds of wood, so it's like different colors, so. So it has like 3D? Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's done some 3D work. It's almost it's like a picture on the wall, right? Mm-hmm. Are you thinking of anything new that you're wanting to do? Um, not really. I think it would be neat to get into more furniture, maybe. And, yeah. Where do you work? Um, in a shop. <laughs> your, your own shop, right? Yeah. So how did you set it up? Yes. Caleb, I, you, were, you were making some birdhouses too, weren't you, at one time? I did some, yeah. Did you do anything for sale before you did this woodwork? Mm, I don't think so. This is your very first project that you, business that you've done. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, and it's really taken off. Where do you sell your things? Um... I've sold them at markets and at Agra in the U.S. and at camp meetings and stuff, just different places. And you, and you have them available at your parents' booth when you're there. Mm -hmm. Can you share something that um, has been inspiring to you in terms of people that are interested in what you're doing? or Have you helped others learn this too? And um, I guess we've had one friend from Switzerland, they came and visited us for a while, and I think it was like around a, m how long was it, like a couple weeks, and so I did a lot of work with him in the shop, and once he got home, they, I think they might have had a scroll saw, and he started working with that, and doing different woodworking stuff, and yeah. And what about any customers? What are there, what do they think when they come by the the vegetable stand and they see your, your woodworking or people that you've met. Do you want to tell us any story of people's interest or do you custom make things for people? Um, I've done some custom things but not a whole lot. Well, I appreciate what you've done that um, has been a blessing to us and 
Thank you for being a blessing by sharing God's words to people. Yeah. Do we have anybody else here that would like to share what your children have done or what you've done? Yeah, we're almost out of time, but I want to give anybody else a chance that is here that would like to share. John? I just want to make a point that I think is, is worth making at, at a meeting like this. You know, with our young people, the traditional way, um, certainly in the States, is for them all to go on to college. And um, I, I think all of you realize the, the pluses and minuses of college. But actually, even though my wife and I are both educators by profession, we have actually discouraged Arch, is that too strong a word? We've tried to, to guide them in other directions than college because, number one, college for the most part is, and, and I want to be careful because I don't want anyone to say that we're telling you you shouldn't go to college, but for the most part, college is preparing you to work for somebody else to be an employee. Um, and, and we just believe in these last days, and my wife shared some reasons why we think entrepreneurship is a better option, but as we get closer to the end of time, we think that um, it's going to be harder and harder to work for an employer. And so we are, are trying to encourage and help our young people to be in positions where they can own their own business just so they can operate it, as my wife said, um, according to their beliefs and their, um, their principles. And so I, I just want to encourage parents to, to think outside the box. You know, there are many other options than college. And in this day and age, you know, the internet is kind of a mixed bag. There's a whole lot of evil out there, but there's also, it has opened up tremendous opportunities for people to have businesses out of their home. And so think outside the box, think entrepreneurial, think um, owner rather than employee, and I think it would be a blessing to your children. Thanks, John. Um, and your kids are doing that. That's exciting. And we're, we're happy that Paul has his own business to support himself in the work of the Lord. Um, it's an online business with gardening. And Caroline's family, I was sharing in the last meeting that we are, her husband's doing frozen vegan meals, which Pam started as Pam's pantry. And then my daughter, when she, before she was married, started doing Caroline's kitchen. Pam passed that business on to her. And now her husband, now that she has two children, is doing David's dinners. And so he is doing frozen vegan meals, but it's such a blessing. Pam really encouraged him that it was wonderful for him to have his own business. You know, he was doing Bible work, and he'd done many different things, but he is excited, and he's making a uh, commercial kitchen now next to his house in the shop. So 
things just develop, and God is good. Our oldest son built solar panels with the battery included in it without an external battery, and his business was teslamakered.com. So God is great, isn't he, that he can use all our gifts. Well, let's have a prayer and thank the Lord um, for how he's led us. Our Heavenly Father, thank you so much for bringing us together and for giving us minds to learn for eternity and for giving us children. And please, Lord, we pray that you would continue to bless our families to be where we can, self-employed, having our own businesses, preparing for the days ahead. Help us to be thankful for whatever work we do have now because you are, your timing is perfect for our families, and we want to give you the glory for what we've been able to do, each child, each youth, each adult here. Thank you for prospering us as we serve you. Help us to give the way you have given to us. In Jesus' name, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.